Raised to Walk Podcast, Episode 40. Welcome to the Raised to Walk Podcast, where we're walking out the life of faith. Romans 6, verse 4 reads, As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And this show is designed to help you do just that. Now here's your host, Carla Alvarez. It's amazing the things you miss when you take a break from online media. I checked my Facebook feed today after a short break and found a slew of unbelieving friends slamming evangelical Christians. Some of the claims they were making made absolutely no sense, and the posts they were sharing made assertions that just were not true at all. But reading a little farther, apart from all of the bogus information, the kernel of the issue are comments made by Jerry Falwell Jr., giving a pass to Trump's infidelity that was recently exposed. This particular instance happened over a decade ago, but the other party was paid off right before the election to keep silent. So let me just get this out there. None of this comes as a surprise. Not that Trump had an affair, not that he paid off his affair partner, and not that Falwell would give him a pass. We did not need this latest revelation to know that. At this point, we should just expect that Falwell will excuse anything and everything the candidate he supported does. In this, he's no different than most people. Most will ignore actions in the people they support that they would condemn in others. And that's the truth. My question is to Christians attending Liberty. Why? If it's because Liberty has a wide range of online classes, I get that. Although Liberty does not have an edge anymore when it comes to online education, many colleges now offer online and hybrid degrees that parallel their on-site classes. However, if you chose Liberty because you were looking for classes presented with a biblical worldview, I would ask you to consider how that could be so when the leader clearly has such a distorted view of what that is. At this point, the things Falwell is saying is just as distorted as anything coming out of the progressive emergent churches. It's just slanted in a different way. As Paula Boyer of PJ Media pointed out, Falwell struggled to explain the doctrines of sin and forgiveness. And this is what Paula Boyer commented. The Apostle Paul warned about men who twist God's words. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. What Falwell is selling is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a man-centered political movement. And she continues, A true Christian loves the truth and the light. No Christian should abandon truth in service to a political leader. Ephesians 5.1 Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, she actually had Ephesians 5.1 in the in her tweet, but it's actually Ephesians 5.11, just in case you look and check that, check that out. So what Jerry Falwell said was, Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves, but never told Caesar how to run Rome. He never said Roman soldiers should, soldiers should turn the other cheek in battle, or that Caesar should allow all the barbarians to be Roman citizens, or that Caesar should tax the rich to help the the poor. That's our job. Again, the hypocrisy doesn't surprise me, But the level of, and I'm trying to be charitable, but the only word that is coming to my mind right now is ignorance. 
It's shocking to me coming from the head of a conservative Christian university that offers degrees in theology. So what does the Bible actually say about governing? Falwell put words in Jesus' mouth, but when Jesus walked on earth, he did so as a man living under the authority of Roman rule. Unlike the zealots, he did not attempt to instigate an uprising against the Roman overlords, but instead told his followers to pay their taxes. That's pretty much all Jesus said that had political ramifications. Most of his strong words were directed against the corrupt and hypocritical religious leaders of his day. So what does God actually say about governance? We can get a clear picture of what right rule looks like if we go back to the Old Testament and examine God's instructions to Israel on how they should operate as a community and as a nation. I won't go back through all the 613 Levitical commands, but let's just review the instructions related to Falwell's comment. Falwell said, Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves, but he never told Caesar how to run Rome. No, Jesus of Nazareth did not tell Caesar how to run Rome. However, Rome was not his people. It was not an earthly kingdom committed to him, and the Romans did not know him yet. Jesus the Christ, Son of the living God, and the Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us, the Logos, did give very clear and explicit instructions on how to rule with integrity. He speaks to his people. These instructions were first given to Israel when it began as a theocracy. These instructions were still to be followed when Israel devolved into a monarchy. The judgment of Israel came because she refused to follow these commands or to listen to the warning of the prophets. These instructions are those that cultures have across time found to be true, what C.S. Lewis refers to as the Tao in the abolition of man, and they are the underlying assumptions beneath the U.S. government and judicial systems. God does tell us how to interact with us and how to govern. Falwell said he never said Roman rulers should turn the other cheek in battle. So war is a horrible thing, and every fight is a dagger in the heart of God. It is Satan mocking God, saying, Look at these beings made in your image, whom you created to be part of your family, in fellowship with you and each other. Look at what they are doing in this world you made just for them. It is a physical representation of the spiritual annihilation that is going on around us every day. Jesus did say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. No, it does not mean that we should placate, but we should place a priority on peace. We should work towards it with everything we can. War should only be a, a last resort when there is no other option left. When we say we respect life, we should mean it. We should truly respect the sacrifice made by those who swear to protect us. We should recognize that not only do they put their own life on the line, but if they do have to kill, they are giving up a piece of their soul for us. War is a heavy and ugly thing, and the majority of us have become detached from the reality of it. It shouldn't even be part of a flippant tweet. As for how enemies should be tr treated, I would point you to Elisha's treatment of the Arameans in 2 Kings chapter 6. David's refusal to kill Saul when he had the opportunity in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and Jesus' own response to his treatment at his trial. And then Falwell said, or that Caesar should allow all barbarians to become Roman citizens. 
So this is my response. This is such a bad example. It's just, it should be embarrassing for Liberty that he said that. Leviticus 19, chapter 19, 33, 34. This is God's instructions to Israel. Foreigners were to be treated exactly the same as citizens in Israel. Says, do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Falwell, or that Caesar should tax the rich to help the poor. Again, this should be embarrassing for Liberty that he said this. So on providing for the poor, every field was to leave a portion for the poor to harvest. This was called gleaning, and it's part of the story of Ruth. So the land was the resources. So every resource owner, every producer had to leave a portion for the poor. This is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. On treating people based on wealth, there are to be no favorites. Leviticus 19, verse 15. Do not twist judgment in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. As for what was expected in the tithe, what God asked in his theocracy was progressive. The poor were not expected to give the same as the rich. Leviticus chapter 5 verse 7 But if you cannot afford to bring a sheep, you may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two young pigeons as a penalty for your sin. One of the birds will be for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. And then further down in verse 11, it says, If you cannot afford to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, you may bring two quarts of choice flour for your sin offering. Let's not forget that the Jubilee cycle itself was designed in a way that restricted the vast accumulation of wealth with, with its concentration in the hands of a few. All debts were forgiven in the seventh Sabbath year, the Shemitah, and in the fiftieth year, all property was returned to the original allocations among the tribes when they entered Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 1, at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives, for the Lord's time of release has arrived. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 13. In the year of Jubilees, you may return to the land belonged, that belonged to your ancestors. When you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of each other. Hmm. When you buy land from your neighbor, the price you pay must be based on the number of years since the last jubilee. The seller must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of jubilee. The more years until the next jubilee, the higher the price. The fewer years, the lower the price. After all, the person selling the land is actually selling you a certain number of harvests. 
Israelites were also not to charge interest on those loans to fellow Israelites. Our economy would look entirely different under Levitical laws, wouldn't it? Deuteronomy 23, verse 19. Do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether you loan money or food or anything else. And God's pretty clear about how he feels about those who are unjust, those who take advantage of others. This is from Amos chapter 5. This is a polemic against the wealthy and the powerful in Israel. How you hate honest judges. How you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, though you build stone houses, you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine from them. For I know the vast number of your sins and the depth of your rebellions. You oppress good people by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So those who are smart keep their mouths shut, for it is an evil time. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. Then the Lord of heaven's armies will be your helper just as you have claimed. Hate evil and love what is good. Turn your courts into true halls of justice. Perhaps even yet the Lord God of heaven's armies will have mercy on the remnant of his people. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God of heaven's armies says. There will be crying in all the public squares and mourning in every street. Call for the farmers to weep with you and summon professional mourners to wail. There will be wailing in every vineyard, for I will destroy them all, says the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here. You have no idea what you are wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light. In that day you will be like a man who runs from a lion, only to meet a bear. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against a wall in his house, and he's bitten by a snake. Yes, the day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless, without a ray of joy or hope. I hate all your show and pre pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. So here's the problem with all of this. It's sad, but we've come to a point where we have given up the expectation that our leaders operate with integrity. That should change. But the disclosures of the past week? Not a shocker. The problem is that someone, Jerry Falwell Jr., who presents himself as a spokesperson for evangelical Christianity, excuses it. This was not acceptable during the election, and it's not acceptable now. Something is not okay because one person says that it is. Protestants do not have a pope, and if they did, Jerry Falwell Jr. would not be it. We are supposed to be sola scriptura. If a conservative Christian has influence with a person in power, awesome, but that influence should be used for good, not evil. We ultimately answer to God. Falwell vouched for Trump and sold him to the skeptics within the Christian community as someone who had a true salvation experience. Even though the fruit was not there, and even though by his own words, Trump does not know what that means. He has said that he doesn't think that he has done anything to repent of. 
You can't be a born-again believer and say that. Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Rather than excusing those actions, followers should be explaining that confession and repentance is the only answer. We must first come to a place of repentance before we can be forgiven and set free. 1 John 1.8 If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. As a spiritual leader, Falwell should be explaining to Trump how important it is that he place his trust in God alone. How important it is that he cultivate a lifestyle of abiding in Christ. This is important for everyone, but especially for him now in the position he is in when the stakes are so high. This begins at home. One of the strongest admonitions to husbands is how they should treat their wives. If they mistreat their wife, God will not listen to their prayers. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. I'm not sure what the motivation is behind the flagrant misrepresentation of who God is and what he expects, but there are serious consequences to this. The first is that, just as it did with Israel, it will bring judgment on the U.S. The second is that the hypocrisy repels people who don't know God. God has put his law in our hearts. We know what is right even if we don't always do it. Calling something good that everyone knows is evil and claiming the name of Jesus while doing it puts up a wall against Christ. As Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, a tree is known by its fruit, or as we say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. So what is the answer? When you're in over your head in a flood of your own wrongdoing, take this piece of advice from Houston. Turn around, don't drown. This is James chapter 4 verse 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. We need repentance, not excuses. 
So thanks for joining me today. If you'd like uh, links to some of the things I referenced um, and a list of the Bible references, you can go to racetowalk.org forward slash P40 to reach the episode article. And now let's end with a prayer. Uh, We thank you so much for your love for us and for your great, great sacrifice for us that we can come to you and be free of our guilt and cleansed of our sin. Let us not miss that freedom through our pride. Give us a humble spirit and enable us, Lord, to truly repent of and turn away from our sins. Lord, keep us from lying to ourselves. Help us to come closer to you and give us clean hearts. Make us more like you, Lord. Make our leaders, the people who say they represent you, actually be reflections of your truth, of your justice, and your righteousness. And I ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Raised to Walk podcast. We'd love for you to continue to walk with us, so head over to raisedtowalk.org slash news to get free updates. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time. If you've been enjoying the Raised to Walk episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We also love to get feedback from our listeners, so tell us what you think by either rating or reviewing us on iTunes or Stitcher, or by sending us an email at contact at raisetowalk.org.